The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ. And good morning. This is Jay Westerveld with Free Speech, Stephen Keeter's show. Stephen is not with us today. The dog ate his homework. So I am covering for Stephen, which is a lot of fun. Um, he's done the same for me uh, with my Monday morning show, Tales and Trails, also at 11 a.m. Um, this is a lot of fun. And on my show, I always have guests. And uh, on Stephen's show, typically as well, he does. It's sort of a fun idea just to do a, a monologue show like this. And uh, there's certainly no lack of things to discuss. Right off the bat, uh, just nationally, of course, we, we lost Larry King. Uh, speaking of interviewers, he was sort of the interviewer extraordinaire. He and James Lipton, uh, in, in my own opinion, were two of the very best of all time. That's a great loss because he was a really selfless, decent kind of mensch of a guy. Just a... Uh, zero ego sort of let his guests be his guests and uh, a, a lot of people don't understand that that's not the easiest thing always to do he didn't editorialize he just sort of celebrated his guests and of course we lost hammer and hank uh hank aaron uh, it, uh, amazing uh you know to, to think that that loss i believe he was 87 but anyway uh something like three thousand career home runs and just a, an amazing guy and What's especially notable about that to me is in this time, um, you know, so shortly after we celebrate the birthday of the Reverend Martin Luther King, a uh, civil rights activist, of course, uh, who we lost to an assassin, um, Hank Aaron's legacy also was riddled with racism and, and he had more than the usual hurdles uh, to jump in order to reach uh, his, his esteemed title. Uh, he earned a lot and it wasn't just in uh, home runs for sure, but uh, two, two terrible losses and not to bring things down too much, but locally <clears throat> we lost uh, two individuals who were really formative to me in my own life and not to make this about me, but it's not, but they were also important people in the history of Warwick. Uh, one was John Stellingworth, who was uh, actually a 10th Don black belt in the, uh, Goshenru system. I often think of Gojuru. That's one of the original Okinawan karate systems. He picked it up uh, when he served in Korea, even though it's an Okinawan, aka Japanese system. And uh, he fostered the development of many other karate schools in our region, many of which still flourish. Uh, certainly Karate Quest, Glenn Fink's amazing school, used to have a dojo right here in Warwick until the pandemic made it you know, essentially impossible for him to continue to operate. Still operates a school in Port Jervis. And um, there are other academies uh, over just across the border in Vernon uh, who came about as a result of Sensei Stellingworth School. But when I was a tiny boy, I knew him well. He was a family friend. His daughter, Tracy, was my, uh, everybody joked around that she was my girlfriend in Mrs. Lindecky's uh, first grade class at King's School. And uh, Sensei Stellingworth was the first person to really turn me on to martial arts and especially uh, karate, Okinawan karate, which for me had been a lifelong journey. I sort of fell out of it a little bit as we got into this century, but have sort of returned. And through uh, my child, thankfully, I, I get to see uh, someone coming through the steps all over again. I still try to train and I try to teach when I can, but uh, 
here in the States, those opportunities haven't come up too much. Another notable Warwickian whom we lost uh, on January 1st was Gregor Butch Maysfield, who was just a, an amazing, funny raconteur, a hilarious, great guy. And uh, believe it or not, a relative of the uh, past poet laureate of England, uh, John Maysfield, whose famous line, uh, where he asked for a tall ship and a star to steer her by, was actually uttered by uh, Leonard Nimoy as Spock on Star Trek. But uh, actually in one of the Star Trek movies, not on the TV series. But Butch, as we all knew him, uh, was just a funny, really interesting guy. Uh, his parents had bought uh, the beautiful stone house on um, Belleville Road in Belleville, right across from the old surf wood, which I've mentioned on the show before. And he was really important to me because he sort of always instilled in me an idea that you kind of have to have fun. You have to think outside of where you live. You have to look at global uh, issues and thoughts. And his son, Gregor, uh, you know, same first name, was uh, one of my very best friends from kindergarten onward back in uh, an era we called the 60s. So anyway, our dear friend uh, Butch Maysfield uh, has gone on to join his dear wife, Perch, uh, up above and they're both missed and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention what wonderful people they are so with today's show uh the reason we have this show uh stephen keeter had started a project here in warwick new york and it's a hotel project if you're not familiar with it you either don't read the paper or you don't tune into this show probably neither most people are aware of it because it involves uh, an interesting parcel of property not too far from the radio station here, right on the border of the village of Warwick in the town of Warwick. And it's a parcel of property, 10 acres, uh, that has a, a beautiful uh, vertical rock on it. And this rock, while uh, you know totally obscure throughout most of my life, uh, I only knew about it because of uh, visiting it with John Bradner, who, if I'm not mistaken, that was Perch Maysfield's brother. Anyway, John uh, brought me to it when I was a boy because John did really, really interesting research along the lines of the America BC theory that suggests that uh, Europeans may have come to the New World uh, prior even to our Native Americans, the first uh, Siberian explorers who came here and peopled the Americas. Prior to that, there you know, we're, we're, had not been human beings here. That theory, while not really embraced by science at all, and, uh, you know, our exhaustive uh, digs over by the pulpit rock site failed to produce anything of note of European origin, it was still an interesting theory. And what I learned from John Bradner, and I, I remember his exact words, I said, John, why isn't this theory or Thor Heyerdahl's theories about uh, how Easter Island was populated, Thor Heyerdahl opined that the uh, Easter Islanders first got to that South Pacific Island uh, traveling westward from South America as opposed to eastward from Asia, which is the prevailing theory. And John Bradner looked at me and we were sitting actually next to Pulpit Rock, which is kind of funny, having a sandwich. And he said, uh, Jay, there are a lot of people with seats at the Smithsonian whose seats are dependent on that theory being defended. And even though that can sound conspiratorial, it isn't. It was actually a very good point. It, it taught me to, much as Butch Maysfield's uh, ideas and humor did, it taught me to remember that, you know, people are just human. Nobody's a god when they're at a place like the Smithsonian or some other think tank or, or research institute. 
and we're fallible. Science is fallible. Um, certainly the, uh, the life sciences, biology, um, are inexact. Uh, one of the interesting things, a dear friend of mine, a, a notable biologist by the name of Peter Warney, has said to me um, that one thing about the life sciences, aka biology, as opposed to the physical sciences, is that there are no absolutes. And I said, well, isn't that an absolute in itself, Peter? And he said, see what I mean? No absolutes. And it's an interesting point. But anyway, that was the only reason I'd ever really heard of pulpit rock. Um, as Stephen and I have discussed on his show here ad nauseum, I'm a seventh generation Warwickian. Um, and, you know, my family never really talked about it. I've poured over the innumerable books written about Warwick, some amazing books really fascinating and very, very well and entertainingly written books and scientifically on books by Professor Richard Hull. Um, and in none of those books was pulpit rock ever mentioned, which is interesting because even if, let's say the excuse were, well, we're just trying to protect it from archeological looters uh, uh, and paleontological looters, people who go in and find uh, artifacts and then sell them on the black market. And there is absolutely a burgeoning market for that. There were other uh, post amaranth uh, items of importance that claims that came up very, very recently about it. Now, for the most part, these have been erroneous claims and the rock just existed in relative obscurity until my friend, Stephen Keeter, who at my, when I first got involved in this, I'd never even heard of, he had proposed to build a hotel there not just a typical you know rank and file hotel but a 110 unit development that involves eight cottages that are victorian and colonial in style with you know beautiful porches and everything to give people the homey feeling and they're totally consistent with the extant architecture of warwick and of west street where this will be and one central inn that will offer folks uh, something more modern. And after a quick word from the folks who make it possible, we'll talk about those. Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Michael Newhart, Mayor of the Village of Warwick, inviting you to tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. to Village Life and learn about the village happenings. Call and share your ideas, comments, and suggestions, and be part of the show with me and Mary Kalora. Hi, this is Alan Fernandez. Join me at the Jazz Getaway with Miles Davis, John Coltrane, and Duke Ellington and more every Sunday at 7 p.m. And we're back with Free Speech, Stephen Keeter's weekly show. This is Jay Westerveld. I'm typically Stephen's 
permanent guest uh, today I'm hosting because Stephen is uh, unavoidably detained with work-related things uh, on a Saturday. So here I am and uh, we're having fun with this. This is my first monologue show here on this radio station. I used to do a lot of monologues with Radio Free Europe uh, a long, long, long time ago in another life and that was a lot of fun. But in that uh, tenure, I learned that the guests really typically make the show and uh, it's, you know, you sort of have to change things up for a monologue. So we were, oh, in the break, uh, the amazing sound man here, who is an incredibly funny guy. Uh, sometimes I'm sort of broken up uh, before the intro, trying not to laugh as I uh, say good morning. He pointed out to me that Hank Aaron didn't have uh, 3,000 home runs. He had 3,000 hits. And Barry Bonds with the asterisk, of course, is uh, still the home run king um, with his... Uh, you know, performance uh, pharmaceuticals uh, factored in. So anyway, we were talking about the Pulpit Rock-In Project. And the reason we're talking about this is this is almost the primary driver for Mr. Keeter starting this radio show. And I'll explain why. When he started the project, uh, presumably, it was it had to look like a good idea, certainly a great fit for Warwick that would be wonderful for tax rateables, great for jobs, great for bringing a lot of people in to patronize the local businesses. And this all seems really nice. And from an ecological standpoint, it's beautiful. It, it seemed to me when I first heard about it that it was sort of a, you know, a zero uh, footprint thing. Now I'm finding out uh, with our new ideas, it's even more of a, makes more of a positive, good ecological footprint for the region. But there are a few people, and I genuinely mean a very few were opposed to it because they live right next door to it. And, and I understand that. And, and I get that if uh, I own a piece of property and I enjoy with my morning coffee, looking out over a, an open field every day, um, I would not want anything to be built there. Just like I might prefer that my neighbors didn't have children who rode bicycles in the driveway when I'm trying to sleep. But we're human beings. We live in a society and this is America where a person can do what they want with their land within reason. So I didn't know much about this project. I'd been, uh, as I often am, overseas, and I was back for what was supposed to be a nine-day uh, visit back to the States until COVID kept me here and my other country's borders had uh, sealed, and they're still sealed to this moment uh, some 11 months later. So... A few people uh, had reached out to me saying, hey, there are some people who are opposed to a hotel project. It's horrible. It's grotesque. It's going in near the high school. You have to get involved. You have to help them stop it. I get these kind of calls, these kind of messages, uh, private messages, these kind of emails all the time because I have a track record uh, spanning over 40 years of fighting for uh, habitat, especially environmentally sensitive, uh, ecologically fragile habitat in this region and in other regions. Uh, in fact, in Central Asia, I worked to protect the extremely rare endangered snow leopard in the mountains. And I have a very unique system by which I uh, try to get new protection for these creatures. But anyway, here at home, I had done a lot of work in the past with protecting wetlands. And there is really, there's no profit in doing this. In fact, I've never, ever, ever charged a quote unquote client for going to court for them, writing letters for them, doing the research for them to help protect uh, a parcel of land. The reason for that is typically if someone's involved in ecological preservation or actual environmentalism and the accent is on actual, uh, they're usually not 
very wealthy people, and they're usually going up against uh, perhaps developers and even public agencies that are better funded, and in the case of the latter, better funded with our own taxes. So it can be a, a bad cycle of um, conflict. So I've successfully fought uh, by forming NGOs, et cetera, and doing an incredible amount of field work as a biologist myself and in, enlisting my friends, uh, old classmates and stuff who are stellar ecologists and biologists, much more knowledgeable than I am, uh, to successfully protect a lot of habitat. But a lot of the time, in fact, more often than not, I do get people who are NIMBY, yeah, not in my backyard. Um, as I say, shriekers who just, they are overnight environmentalists because they oppose something being in their view shed when they're having their morning coffee, which again, I can understand, but we live in America. Uh, if you don't like the dog barking next door, you don't have a right to shoot it. Same thing. So I got it through channels and then directly from some of these people that they thought I should go do a, an ecological survey as if I can just trespass onto that land and start sniffing around and maybe even release some endangered species there so that this fella couldn't build on it. That made me see red. I don't like it when people think that I'm uh, sort of an eco-geisha who just goes around doing that kind of thing for money. And I flatly turned them down and I said, by the way, I'm also vaguely familiar with the site. There's nothing there. It's just under 10 acres of what we would call ecologically sterile land. Now that doesn't mean it's, it's asphalt. What it means is it's a relative monoculture of things similar to what we refer to as buffalo grass in a, uh, a vague way, buffalo grass. And other uh, low yield grasses that aren't of great agricultural value, They're, a lot of them are introduced. Um, it's really populated by a lot of alien plants, meaning plants from other countries outside of uh, the US. And um, there's not a lot of habitat diversity there to support a lot of different types of life. There's no wetlands on any part of the spot near where the hotel's going. The only wetlands are on the other side of the creek where the developer just happens to own the land and is doing nothing with it. Those will be unchanged. So I even had written a letter to the editor after I'd seen a lady who had also been opposed to the yesterday's sort of what I call beer garden project in Warwick. And she was saying that this pulpit rock site uh, was, you know, essentially crawling with endangered species and it's uh, endangered species habitat. I don't like when people do this because I've really just blown years and years of my life fighting for actual endangered species habitat. I've lost a lot of those cases. I've had to stand by and watch uh, a lot of sensitive wetlands where endangered species exist uh, being destroyed just because it was for whatever reason, uh, with the best lawyers, the opposition could get around it somehow. So in this case where there were none and somebody's crying endangered species, I felt compelled, just ethically compelled to speak out. So I wrote a letter to the editor of the hometown newspaper here, the Warwick Valley Advertiser, uh, rather the Warwick Valley Dispatch, but I also wrote one to the Warwick Valley Advertiser, both Warwick papers. And in the letter, I said, look, I, I know this area well. There's nothing, there's no protected species there. I see no ecological impact, a bad impact from this project. And as a result, I just received so much hate mail, uh, social media, uh, phone calls, uh, friends of friends saying, oh, well, so-and-so hates you now. Because sadly, this is a kind of society we live in. Um, before social media, people tended to have to face each other. You'd have to talk to your next door neighbor. And you know, you might be a Republican, your next door neighbor might be a Democrat, but 
That's your next door neighbor. You had to face each other and you sort of said, okay, look, we don't get along about this stuff, but hey, how about those Mets? Uh, I'm a Yankees fan. Oops, we'd still get along um, and we'd still all, you know, be people. You're a person first and you sort of let the issues be uh, something secondary. Now in the age of social media, people just make the issues, unfortunately, all too often, everything. So all of a sudden I went from hero hero to zero with a bunch of... uh, pseudo activists not complaining but mr keeter reached out to me and i met with him and he said thanks very much for that letter and i'm thinking oh god some developer do i really even want to talk to this guy and i was fascinated that he knew more about biodiversity about agriculture about nature than a lot of my friends who are actually degreed uh, biologists and he's, he's a native of the country of Ukraine where I've spent a bit of time. I used to live not too far away from there in the Czech Republic where I worked uh, independently and for a while uh, with the State Department. And I also taught skiing and coached uh, an alpine training center in the Czech Republic. So anyway, I know how the people there, especially as you go farther east, closer to Russia, are very close to the earth, very close to nature, and tend to just have a lot more of what we'd call ecological zen. As a friend of mine, uh, former New York State DEC pesticide biologist Kenny Barnett says, ecological zen, it's a great expression. Stephen Keeter has a lot of ecological zen, so we talked about it, and he said to me, look, I live near the site. I don't want to destroy it. I'm trying to build a legacy that my children can be proud of. I want to make something that's greener than it was before I got involved. He had done his homework uh, about me. And if you Google my name, you'll see a lot about uh, a a term that I coined a long, long time ago when I was in the South Pacific. And interestingly, one of the drivers of me being in the the South Pacific, aside from the amazing surf, uh, was the a very interesting bird that's the nearest modern relative of the dodo. It's called the tooth-billed pigeon, and they exist in the country of Samoa. Uh, it used to be called Western Samoa to uh, dissociate itself from American Samoa, which of course is a U.S. territory far, far away in the South Pacific. So anyway, I'd written an article about a hotel that I was sort of stealing towels from while staying in a really grubby brothel uh, in the Fiji Islands in Nandi, Fiji. And a lot of people uh, like myself, surfers, uh, a lot of people just passing through would stay in brothels not to enjoy the uh, the guest uh, services, but really just for the, the really cheap accommodations, the great breakfast in the morning, and maybe having somebody join you to go to the village market and do a better job negotiating prices and bargaining with the sellers, especially on food items. So anyway, I was staying at this place and when I was grabbing some towels from a really large uh, hotel nearby, a big international luxury hotel, I saw a little sign that said, uh, hey, help us save the environment, Uh, reuse your towel. Leave your towel on the floor if you want us to wash it, or better yet, hang it up and reuse it so we can save the environment. I was kind of struck by it because this hotel was expanding and destroying coral reefs, and there was a lot of local uh, resistance to that, and people were upset. And I thought, how great, they're destroying coral reefs, but while they're finding a new way to save themselves money and water costs. And on South Pacific islands, water is an incredibly expensive commodity. They were, you know, calling themselves green. And I wrote a little paper about it at school, so on and so on. And it got published and it got shared a little. And uh, 
I'd forgotten all about it. And then quite a few years later, it came up with my name attached to it. And I was delighted. So Stephen had read that and he said, it's kind of funny. I see you when I do a Google search uh, because of your criticism of the hotel industry. I'm building a hotel that endeavors to be the diametric opposite of that. And we talked about it and we talked about measures we can take to make a model not just of sustainability, but of ecological responsibility and ecological positivity with his project. And it's been a really interesting journey, but the resistance has come from some folks with deep pockets, old names in the town of Warwick, and uh, they've sort of reached out to a lot of politicians and without you know, pointing fingers because the town of Warwick has been wonderful, frankly. Uh, and very open as they always are and unbiased, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it, it, it got a little strange and entangled. And uh, he realized that he wasn't getting a lot of support from local media or from uh, the village government. So he realized he could have a radio show and sort of help to educate people and just try to get the word out there. Social media was horrific because there would be hundreds of new fake Facebook and Twitter profiles being created that were just against him opposing his project. And you know, in many cases you might have one person with a dozen or more Facebook profiles who was just, and you could tell uh, by the, the writing style and uh, things of that nature, syntaxic clues that it was the same person. And he realized he's, he couldn't even voice his, his free opinions on social media. The local newspapers are no help whatsoever for reasons we won't get into. And he found that radio might be something open. So he came here to WTBQ 93.5 FM and uh, Frank and Taylor said, sure, why don't you get your word out there? You seem like an honest guy. And he started this show. Then he asked me to come on to the show, which has been uh, a wild ride, a lot of fun. And, uh, they decided also, hey, Jay should have his own show just about his nature stuff and some of his wacky friends. So this brings us to the present. Right now, uh, Stephen and I have a beautiful list of what we call eco-integrative features that the hotel will have. And the range is vast. A lot of them are, are unique, peculiar specifically to this project. Some have never been seen before. One of my favorite is, uh, and I've mentioned it in a few shows, the pedal to paddle feature where folks who live right in the village of Warwick and people outside of the village uh, in other parts of the town can have an entirely carbon neutral outing by bicycling to the site because it will be open to Warwick residents, not everyone but residents of the town of Warwick in addition to hotel guests they'll have a rack where they can lock their bicycle and then there will be another rack with canoes and kayaks where Warwick residents with a permit can lock up their own canoe or kayak and then they bicycle there they lock their bicycle up unlock the canoe or kayak go kayaking on the beautiful way we under creek for the day and then come back to their bicycle and have a carbon neutral ride home we love the idea and we think Warwick will as well. It's becoming more and more of a, a water sports town in the passive kayak, you know, un, unpowered uh, passive kayak and canoe way, which is a wonderful thing. It's I've kayaked and canoed that creek for well over 40 years myself. So this is one of the many things we'd like to do. My own favorite thing, as subtle as it might sound, will be the pollinator gardens where we plant specific flowering plants that attract certain at-risk and critically imperiled butterfly and even bird species to come in and uh, 
hopefully flourish and, and then nest, the, uh, nest there, actually oviposit, lay eggs there. In the case of hummingbirds, uh, nest uh, right there to be nearer their uh, flowers that have the nectars which they require and um, to help promote those numbers. It'll also be beautiful for the guests and for Warwick residents to walk through these pollinator gardens and see this incredibly high diversity of types of butterflies and bees and uh, other things that enjoy these flowers. And after a quick word from the sponsors, we're gonna talk more about the others. is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is your favorite assemblyman, Carl Brabadek. And your state senator, Mike Martucci. And we are teaming up for the Friday Roundtable, where we'll be talking about what's happening in Albany. That's every Friday at 9 a.m. on on radio radio worth worth listening listening to. I'm gonna make this place your home. This is Christine Koenig, Grace Warren, Marsha Talbot of Howard Hanna Rand Realty and the hosts of The Real Real Estate Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. It's radio worth listening to. WTBQ This afternoon will be windy and cold with a mix of sun and clouds, a scattered flurry possible, 25 to 30, but the winds will make it feel even colder. Tonight, the winds will diminish, clear and very cold in the mid-teens. Sunday, partly sunny, still breezy and cold, again 25 to 30. Clouding up on Monday with a chance of snow Monday night into Tuesday. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. WTBQ. And we're back with Free Speech, Stephen Keeter's weekly show. I'm Jay Westerveld, Stephen's semi-permanent guest who... Uh, I'm hosting the show today, which is sort of fun. Uh, Stephen has some other work-related things detaining him. And so today it's all me as he's uh, hosted my show for me quite a few times. So we're talking about the project, uh, Stephen Keeter's Pulpit Rock In Project. And by the way, if you'd like to call in on my own show, Tales and Trails, Monday mornings at 11, I don't have call-ins. On this show, sometimes we have call-ins, sometimes we don't, but we found that... uh, a few vociferous opposers of Mr. Keter's project were calling in and just screaming, yelling, uh, casting aspersions, falsehoods. And we just said, you know, one person had to be banned from the station. But if anybody would like to call in with a sincere question, uh, you can call us at 845-651-1110. You can also text us at 845-328-0886. I don't really read the texts too much here. Um, we can see your number if you text, so be polite. And the phone number for call-ins again is 845-651-1110. So before the break, we were talking about the pollinator gardens that this project is going to have. Now, some people might listen and say, well, you know, dude, 
It's a hotel. What do you mean pollinator gardens and all? Well, the, the structure of the hotel, including parking lots, uh, which by the way, will be permeable. Those, these are going to be per, uh, water permeable parking lots that allow rainwater to go right into the ground uh, as opposed to just big asphalt uh, impermeable surfaces. The total build out of the hotel takes up approximately one third of the site. So math not being my strong suit, I'll ask you to do the math and realize that regardless, we're talking about two thirds of the site are going to be open and relatively wild, as wild as we'd like. Now with most hotel projects, someone might say, well, let's just put a golf course in and some, you know, uh, tennis courts. Of course, this is too small to be more than uh, a fraction of a par three. So what we're doing, and this, I'm not just saying what we're planning to do, although we're, this is all pending planning board approvals here. We're, we're, going to have pollinator gardens and we're going to attempt to have the highest plant biodiversity of any site in the state of new york now that of course sounds grandiose and perhaps uh, relatively unattainable well if we utilize deer exclosures meaning some fences that keep white-tailed deer out a lot of the plants that are referred to as invasive plants which in fact are really just plants that deer do not like to eat uh, these won't have the advantage that we see in more wild areas and we'll be able to grow native plants that have been lost and even some exotic plants that add to the mix in a nice way. And when I discuss exotic plants, I only mean those that either have engendered cultivars or the, they themselves are cultivars, things like wolfberry, goji berry, uh, native huckleberries, native blueberries, um, and certainly uh, sea buckthorn which is a very, very underappreciated fruit here in the Americas, but in the old world uh, throughout Europe and Asia, it is revered for its genuine high vitamin C content, high antioxidant activity, and just great taste. Tastes like really sour apricots. So we're, we hope to grow these things. We've already, we have seeds germinating offsite. We bought shoots of many of the berry plants. We hope to have many, many different varieties of tomato and other relatively easy to grow nightshade plants for the you know cultivated areas and then in the wild areas that's where we sort of go into these berries and uh, shrubs of, of various types including osage orange if you don't know what an osage orange is believe it or not it's a native plant it looks like a green orange the fruit on the tree and if you are ever in warwick and you're driving along king's highway and you see the old king's school site in the autumn you'll see these big green things the size of softballs uh, laying around on the road right there and those are osage oranges uh, no food value to the fruit they're always used for as fence posts but they're just interesting they're beautiful and we just want to have a high diversity of plants we'd like to have as many different plant species as possible on these remaining approximately uh, five to six acres of this site. This is going to be a lot of fun. And on the rock itself, as I've mentioned on two other shows, we're going to be growing a native prickly pear cactus, which is useful for the fruit, for the beautiful blooms, and even for eating the leaves. Uh, we've got some all ready to go to plant on those. And uh, we really, really are looking forward to seeing something that's going to be a natural wonder that will be wonderful for local schools to visit so kids can see various plants in the nature which they'd exist prior to the overpopulation of white-tailed deer in this region and, and other drivers that have 
really made it difficult for many beautiful plants, especially native plants, to persist. Among the other features, purple martin nest box. Purple martin is an enormous swallow, a big bird with, long, well, swallows are typically small birds with long wings. Uh, the purple martin is a rather large member of the family. They used to be very common in this region. And then they had all died out after a lot of uh, pesticide use in the 50s and 60s. They're coming back slowly because they're insectivores. They're totally obligate insect eaters. So they're slowly coming back and very near this site, just on the border of Warwick in the what's called the Belleville Bruderhof community in Sugarloaf. Uh, they have a successful purple martin box. Uh, the first one I've seen in the county here since I was a small boy. So that's rather exciting because the moment we erect one in the correct uh, stature, et cetera, and position in the field, there should be birds, what we call pilot birds, trying to start new populations from that uh, colony coming out and populating this. This will be a beautiful benefit where after at the middle school and the high school, which are both within a half mile of the site, they can also erect these boxes and we can see a beautiful population of purple martins for the students to all enjoy and perhaps make research projects from. Other features, the rain barrels. When we have new buildings in an area, one of the problems is the footprint of the building. Uh, you know, you can't have the water go straight through the roof and through the ceilings and floors uh, to rehydrate the ground. So at the end of every gutter, we're going to have rain barrels which collect rainwater, which is then stored away from mosquito abuse for mosquito breeding to be used for watering the gardens, which is a wonderful system of sustainability that will make, again, a nice model for visiting students to observe and maybe take part in. This is something about which I'm very, very excited. And in one of our most recent shows, Stephen and I were talking about the idea of the Weweanda Creek, which flows through the project property, having once boasted nice populations of trout, certainly according to Frank Forrester, who was a prolific outdoor writer, Please look him up. He's the gentleman for whom Forrester Avenue in Warwick is named. And that's actually a pseudonym. He had a different name. And uh, if you want to call in with the answer to that, maybe Sam's Meat Market uh, will, will have a little prize for you. But jumping back, this creek used to have wonderful fisheries of trout, of native brook trout, which, by the way, brook and lake trout are the only trout species native to the state of New York. Our brown trout and our rainbow trout, which are stocked by the New York State DEC, et cetera, are both introduced species. The rainbow trout is from the far west. The brown trout is from a, a different continent altogether. They're from Eurasia. Anyway, there are still some brook trout left in the Weweando. We plan to restock it to try to get that ratio of native trout back up and to make a really great place for hotel guests and Warwick residents to come out and try their hand at fly fishing. We'll have instructors who offer lessons in fly fishing, and we will have wonderful little outings for hotel guests with the appropriate permits. And we're hoping to see something really exciting come of this. Now, the rock itself, Pulpit Rock, the feature for which the hotel itself is named. Again, very obscure, not a, if you would have walked around Warwick at any time in the last 50 years, walked into the library, spoken to anyone in the historical society and said, where's Pulpit Rock? They'd probably look at you blankly. 
very obscure rock. Now it's come into vogue because a person who opposed this site being in their view shed of their morning coffee decided, well, let's make this rock something that it's not. You know what? It's a beautiful rock. It's spectacular. It's this beautiful vertical piece of Palisade stone that was pushed up here by a glacier, uh, pushed from near the Hudson River, in fact. And there are a lot of these rocks. When you go along Covered Bridge Road all the way out to Route 17A, um, there's a line of these that go through Warwick. There are veritably hundreds, if not thousands of them. Few of them are standing up in the position of this one. Some are. Uh, especially in Lewis Woodlands, but for the most part, they're lying down, they're partially covered by earth, having been deposited there tens of thousands of years ago. So this rock is beautiful. We've decided, of course, to make it a true centerpiece of the site. I've often said to Mr. Keeter, Stephen, there are so many other open parcels in Warwick that are also on the border of the village and the town. Why don't you just build in one of those and avoid this trouble? Mr. Keeter's answer invariably has been, because it's a cool rock. I love it. I want to celebrate it. I want other people to appreciate it. These are his words. So with that being said, for the first time ever, it will actually be publicly accessible. It will no longer be in private property in a field that's mowed, uh, at least annually, if not biannually. It's going to be spectacular in that at a respectful distance from it, we plan to have benches set up, a small, very subtle pavilion that fits with the ambience of it, where people can actually practice yoga, just do meditation, things of that nature. And some of our weddings that we're planning, we're planning to have the one of the prime, if not almost only multicultural wedding facilities in the state of New York. They can occur right beneath it, which means instead of having only a chapel, as a lot of wonderful wedding venues have, this will also have this beautiful ancient rock wherein folks who perhaps subscribe to other religions that don't utilize chapels will have something natural as a backdrop, this beautiful rock looming over them as they exchange their vows in the belief system of their like. And I think that that alone is really special and something that should be very attractive to a lot of people who would like to do their nuptials uh, somewhere and in such a way that's not uh, necessarily, again, rank and file, much like the hotel itself won't be. So the idea is to have the rock set up so that folks who perhaps run yoga classes and meditation classes will have a beautiful new outdoor spot to have those classes under this beautiful ancient monolith and also a place where wedding celebrations can occur underneath. We plan and we've already been in a lot of discussions with folks from religions outside of Judeo-Christian religions to perform ceremonies there in addition to having any Judeo-Christian religion uh, perform wedding ceremonies there, which is great to then have a place for wedding guests to say on the spot because this has been one of the problems with Warwick. We have wedding venues, we have these exceptional wineries, which are such great places uh, to utilize for weddings. But there's not really a place for people to stay. Warwick is rather odd in that it has so many beautiful attractions and features. But when the end of the day comes and the sun goes down and the restaurants close and the pubs close, people are on their own to go home or maybe camp out. And I've joked around on this show before saying Warwick's motto should be, you don't have to go home, you just can't stay here. There's a small motel in town. They're beautiful guest houses, 
beds and breakfast. These are wonderful for folks who really enjoy beds and breakfast and, and guest houses and for very, very small parties. But if someone's having a wedding, it's very difficult for them to place their guests. I know innumerable people who have held wonderful weddings here who've had to place their guests in a different state over the border in New Jersey, in a town on the far side of this large county over in Middletown in Goshen, New York. Having this hotel here will keep these guests here. And these guests staying over will be more prone to say, I'm not driving. I'm going to use the carriage service provided by my hotel to allow me to have maybe an extra glass of wine at the winery to let me have maybe stay for a little longer dinner and not have to rush out to get the train or the bus uh, back to the city. These people can stay over and enjoy themselves. And then the next morning, go out to some of our wonderful restaurants for breakfast and maybe do some shopping and browsing and see some of the beautiful things, very unique offerings right on Main Street in Warwick, places like Forever Jewelers. Certainly places like the Style Council with its wonderful eclectic array of clothing, um, the wonderful jewelry stores, and I, I could go on and on, but I'm not the Chamber of Commerce. I'm the guy who's doing the eco-integrative features for this hotel and we're very excited about it and for me as an ecologist from my standpoint it's just exciting that you see i'm from here and we have beautiful nature in this area and i love to explore over the ridge lines through the marshes the wetlands the swamps the lakes the ponds the rivers the creeks to see all different types of wildlife but what happens is each biotype each ecotype is very separated from the other because believe it or not again as the first guest ever on my show michael mallon had said the greatest driver one of the greatest drivers for invasive species and for the loss of native species is the white-tailed deer we'll talk more about those after we come back Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Tom Fursey. Sing along and relive the memories of the 1980s on The Magic of the 80s. Saturday night, starting at 6 on WTBQ, playing the best music. Magic of the 80s. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Trends. I'll give you the phone number to the faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. WGHT Pompton Lakes, your community radio station since 1969. And we're back with free speech, not tales and trails. Uh, this is Jay Westerveld with Stephen Keeter's free speech show featured here every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. I also do my tales and trails show at 11 a.m. on Mondays. So 
We were talking about Stephen Keeter's Pulpit Rock Inn Boutique Hotel Eco-Integrative Lodging uh, Model, which is going to be one of a kind, slated for here in Warwick, New York. And we were talking before just about the fact that in this region, which is such a beautiful bastion of biodiversity, it's hard to find different ecotypes next to each other, meaning it's difficult to find a beautiful, viable wetland full of many different wetland plants and animals right next door to a sort of an upland habitat that has those plants and animals, primarily because white-tailed deer, believe it or not, whose numbers have exploded incredibly in my own lifetime, uh, they they sort of eat everything, and it seems every year they've found some new plant to their liking, and it's very difficult to have a lot of different sorts of plants in one spot. I've found, even though I'm from here, and I'm very, very intimate with the ecosystems around here, uh, when I want to go see a lot of our own native plants all together, growing together as they would without that strange pressure of what we call over herbivory, which means being eaten too much by animals who eat plants over herbivory. I go to Central Park in New York City because Central Park has these beautiful plantings, vast, extremely high diversity of, of plantings that are well-maintained uh, by the Central Park Conservancy who do a beautiful job, but there are no deer there. There are no white-tailed deer eating every beautiful, sensitive little pink lady's slipper or other native orchid that you might plant there. Whereas here, they're all but gone. Even the pink lady's slipper, which is a beautiful, protected orchid, they're all but gone in uh, much of the uplands where they used to be quite numerous when I was a child. In fact, if you want to see native orchids uh, here in, in the lower Hudson Valley, go to Central Park. Uh, another good place, actually, uh, is uh, the Glenmare Reservoir right here in the town of Warwick in the village of Florida. In the marsh in the back, there are beautiful, beautiful uh, wild orchids of many different types, including yellow lady slipper, pink lady slipper, and the rose pagonia, which is my own favorite. They do well out there because there are these floating islands and then all, also normal geological islands, which the deer have a very difficult time getting to. So in the winter time, when occasionally deer will venture out to these islands, these orchids aren't quite so showy. They don't see them. They're often covered in leaves and they're more or less left alone. When they're flowering, thankfully they're surrounded by water, the deer don't destroy them. Anyway, with the correct deer exclosures around some of the wild planting areas of the Pulpit Rock Insight, we'll be able to show that natural coexistence of these many beautiful different types of plants and actually be able to give again local students and just any local ecologists with the interest a chance to see those things. Now, of course, I'm speaking mostly to the nature stuff as I always joke around with Stephen. I'm a frog and turtle guy, that's why you hired me. Um, but all kidding aside, this area has a lot of things to attract uh, ecotourists, and ecotourism is one of the fastest and most strongly growing sections of the tourism industry. And here in New York, right outside of Gotham, where more and more people are trying to get the Sam Hill out of the city all the time and get away from being on top of one another, especially during this pandemic crisis, we've learned so much. Ecotourism is only going to continue to boom so at the Pulpit Rock Insight, Mr. Keeter plans to bring back a feature from Warwick's past Grand Hotel, which burned down in 
I believe 53, but certainly the early 50s. It was called the Red Swan Inn. It was situated on the present day site of the Warwick Country Club. And it was a vast hotel of more than 110 rooms, I believe. But, uh, you know, kind of similar in size, similar in the fact that it was, you know, sort of in the village, sort of in the town. And it brought in a lot of well-heeled city dwellers to come up for the sporting opportunities of this region. Well, what it had was something called the Pioneer uh, Carriage, or some people call it the Pioneer Stage, but the Pioneer Carriage. And what the Pioneer Carriage did back then, when fewer people were driving, certainly at the turn of this, uh, just after the turn of the century, it was started in the early 1900s, it went to the train station picked guests up who came from the city and brought them to the hotel. And then it also brought them to local attractions. Mr. Keeter plans with the Pulpit Rock Inn to bring his guests to many different attractions, including a beautiful Wallkill River uh, sanctuary. There's a birding sanctuary right here in the town of Warwick that then extends into the state of New Jersey. And it's vast, it's beautiful, and it has incredible, unique um, bird occurrences. In fact, Three years ago, there was a uh, subtropical bird called the roseate spoonbill. Just Google spoonbill and you'll see how wild this thing is. It's like a flamingo with this enormous bill that's shaped like a spoon. There was one not just spotted there, but well photographed, videotaped, well documented. It's, it's an extension of sort of the Hackensack Meadowlands. And this this marsh, believe it or not, uh, when you look at it on the geological scale, so a lot of birds that come up the flyways of coastal New Jersey are attracted into this area and they, they come into it. Right now there are nesting pairs of, uh, believe it or not, uh, sandhill cranes there. And they're just spectacular. Uh, it's, it's really, sandhill cranes haven't been known to nest in Orange County, New York, uh, certainly in over 100 years, it may be more than that. Don't quote me. You can uh, look it up. So there are many, many beautiful natural features to see around here. In addition to, as we mentioned all the time, the great agritainment centers. We have the two bookend agritainment centers right here close to the physical um, building for this radio station because we broadcast to eastern Pennsylvania, northern New Jersey, all of New York City's five boroughs. Uh, parts of Westchester, Rockland County, et cetera. Um, there is Penning's Farm, Penning's Farm Market, which is a wonderful place. It's It's got a big, beautiful pub, restaurant was a, with actually very, very good food. In the summertime, excellent ice cream and a beautiful shop of sort of country delights, m- much like you would have seen at, say, the Vermont Country Store uh, many years ago before it became very commercial. And on the other eastern end of the town of Warwick is the Wright Family Farm, which has just great agritainment of a totally different type, a little more rustic, much more child-centric, with a lot of fun rides for kids, uh, self-propelled rides, a lot of cool games, and always, always the wonderful corn maze, uh, which is a lot of fun, especially around Halloween, and great pumpkins. And Penning sells great pumpkins, and both locations sell Christmas trees. Don't mean to sound like a commercial for those, but... Wow, what a great place for a city dweller to come up, especially during the autumn, during Christmas time, and go out and buy a Christmas tree. Of course, they'll have to drive that home and bring that on the train. But there are so many wonderful things to do where they can stay over and really better appreciate the town of Warwick, New York, uh, where, you know, I grew up, my dad, my grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. There's a reason these folks didn't leave. It's just a wonderful, warm, 
happy place that has so much to offer. And one of the reasons for that is uh, our town supervisor, Michael Sweeten, was a good guy and uh, a real visionary. And he's funny because he's a very subtle, understated visionary. He doesn't run around touting his achievements uh, like many politicians might do. Michael Sweden has run the beautiful purchase of development rights or PDR program in the town of Warwick for a very, very, very long time. Michael's essentially a Warwick native and he grew up here and went through the schools here and he's our town supervisor and he has protected more farmland in Warwick than I'm even sure of because it seems like every other week there's a new PDR uh, farm going in. And this is done through putting a, a small, sort of like a tax on uh, home sales here so that when people are taking advantage of this beautiful rural community, they're paying a little bit extra into it to preserve our beautiful open space and farmland. What better place, again, for a city dweller to just come and enjoy a weekend or maybe even longer. Our skiing opportunities, our winter opportunities in general are amazing. Ice fishing on Wickham Lake, which is now also, uh, the property near it is now owned by the town, thanks to an excellent deal set up also by Mr. Sweeten. And Glenmare Reservoir, right in the village of Florida, in the town of Warwick, which has incredible ice fishing opportunities as well. I hate to talk about that too much because I hate to have too much competition when I get out there on the ice. Thankfully, the visionary young mayor of the village of Florida, New York, whose grandfather was once the mayor of the village of Florida, uh, set things up so that the bizarre aerators that were churning up the water all winter long for several years prior to his tenure are now gone. The lake is allowed to freeze over again, which means we can all get out there on the ice, pop a hole in and pull out some enormous pickerel, some beautiful uh, chain and grass pickerel that grow in that lake. Being that there hasn't been much ice fishing, if any at all, in the last four or five years, I believe, there are probably some enormous pickerel and that relatively shallow, but very uh, biodiverse lake. So there's a lot to offer here. The skiing is just beautiful right here in the town of Warwick, Mount Peter. In fact, on Monday, we should have a, a representative of the Mount Peter ski area on my show again, Tales and Trails. Uh, Mountain Creek, just over the border in New Jersey, just 10 minutes away from the border is uh, a beautiful, rather large, a uh, little more corporate, but heavily featured ski resort that's a lot of fun too. So city dwellers can come up here, they can stay in the hotel and enjoy these ski areas with the Pulpit Rock Inn carriage bringing them to and from those places. So there's a lot to offer here and every week in the Warwick Valley Dispatch, we feature a half page ad that talks about one of our new as of yet unmentioned features that we're going to have at the hotel. Speak of winter sports, Stay tuned for this coming week's issue of the Warwick Valley Dispatch, not the advertiser. Um, and you'll see our, our half page ad that talks about the winter feature that the hotel project is, is going to have, or we plan to have, should we get all the permits, which hopefully won't be a grand issue. I'm not going to give any hints. I've mentioned ice fishing. I've mentioned skiing. And what other wonderful winter sports are there here? You'll just have to pick up the paper and take a look. But as we get closer to the end of the show, um, I'd just like to say that if anyone has questions about this project, you can certainly go to the website, pulpitrockin.com. You can go to the Facebook page, Pulpit Rock Warwick, New York. 
you can contact Mr. Keeter or myself. We're both pretty easy to find right through this radio station. In fact, uh, WTBQ 93.5 FM. And the number here is 845-651-1110. They can always reach out to us. We're both open to speaking with anybody about these things with any questions. So I'll speak to some of you guys on Monday for my show, Tales and Trails. And next Saturday, Mr. Keeter will be here again. And until then, have a great time and get outdoors. Mm-hmm.